0: Amen. Hey, would you help me in welcoming and appreciating all those who are logged online with us right now through Facebook and our webpage? I count them as a campus. Every week, and just so you know, I know that like, man, I only come to second service or only come to first service. I'd encourage you just kind of mix it up as you as you feel led of the Lord. This just this week, last week, in uh, in just one service, we had close to two hundred people, and then in the second service, we add another close to a hundred people. In the middle of the summer, what's supposed to be the dog days, right now, we're running just about as strong as we ran all year long at almost three hundred people every week, and you guys are here and you're faithful and. I I just want to give the Lord praise for not only what he's doing, but what he's going to do and the fact that you are here and you're faithful. Hey, listen, I have a, 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 a special treat for you today in a South African apostle and prophet. I believe, personally, he doesn't claim this office, but I believe an evangelist. I have... Uh, Heard him about nine years ago at Broadmoor Assembly of God in Shreveport when I was just a young guy. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't hardly grow any facial hair at that time. I still had hair down over my ears, but I was trying to live for Jesus at that point. Now I've become more like him, and so I was throwing that in in case you went in that direction again in the second service. Um, Pastor Andre was at, at, at Broadmoor Assembly with us, and you know I've seen a lot of people... Uh, minister in the Word, and I've seen a lot of people be excited about the Word, but there was a way that Pastor Andre... in my early 20s drew my attention. And he told a story, and this is my best South African accent that I have, but of a ghost that was walking across the water. And it wasn't really a ghost. What they thought was a ghost was actually Jesus. And I remember this word that he spoke that morning over nine years ago, that if we would just keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of our storm, that he would never lead us astray, and he would take us to every place that he wants us to go. Pastor Andre then began to prophesy over people in the church things that there was no way he could have known. The Lord Lord has anointed this man for such a time as this and these last days, and it is our privilege to have him with us today. Would you please help make him welcome Pastor Andre? Come bring us the word.
1: Thank you, brother. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here in Eunice, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, this is Louisiana. I, um, it's, great. it's a great honor to be here. You have a great young pastor and his wife, and um, you are very blessed. That's the best response I could get out of your people for you. So, <laughs> hope you can work with that. Praise God. Well, we're going to have a great time this morning, uh, church, before we're going to go into the Word. I brought a few CDs with me, not really much. Um, I don't travel with a lot of products, and I uh, I really highly recommend every CD that's on that table. Uh, the CDs that we carry with us is normally CDs that we send out to our partners every month, and when we have a few left, we bring it and we sell it to the church. Um I brought a book with me called Finally God Makes Sense. There's a lot of powerful stuff in this book. It's not a theological book. It's a book will, that will really help you a lot. Finally God Makes Sense. How many of you realize God is bigger than your senses? Now, sometimes uh, God did something for me, and I wrote the book Finally God Makes Sense, because, and the reason I wrote call that title is because the Lord has brought a lot of promises together in my own life. I use it like, I, I want to ex- illustrate it like this. When you go to a shop and you buy a, a, a puzzle that has a thousand pieces, what do you buy? You buy the picture on the box. Because you cannot build that puzzle in the shop to see whether every piece is in there. You buy the, you buy the picture. And then six months later, um, if you find out there's five pieces missing out of a thousand pieces, will you be disgusted? Some of you will take it back and say, you sold me a picture that is incomplete. But you buy by faith, believing that every piece of the picture on the box will be in the puzzle when you build it. Now, God is the same. When God gives you a dream, a vision, a promise, He gives you a picture of what your future looks like, or He gives you a glimpse of what's coming. Now, I can say much more about this in a school setting uh, if I teach you on how the prophetic works and how do you see things. And the reason I wrote this book is because all the pieces of my own life came together. Um, and uh Chapter 3 is a chapter that I called When Dirt Makes Sense. Dirt. How many of you realize that you cannot have a rose garden without dirt? You cannot have a tree in your yard without dirt. Come on. You even need dirt to build a house on. You celebrate your beautiful house, have another look at the dirt and celebrate the dirt. Why am I saying this? Because even dirt in your life will make sense. I had a lady who read chapter 3, and she called me, and she wept. She said, I cannot even complete chapter 3. I said, why? She said, it's like a movie of my own life. Um, and church, um, sometimes it is the things in your life that, that hurt you the most, the challenges and the difficulties that becomes the breeding ground of your rose garden. And uh, you will find that in chapter 3. You will find a lot of personal stories in here. This is really going to bless you. In this book, I wrote about a very ugly woman and a very beautiful woman as well, and it all came out of the Bible. Can you believe it? You need to get that one. Um, And uh, so, help yourself, $15 for that book. Uh, CDs is 5, and um, I hope you find something there that will suit you. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Tonight, tomorrow night, we're gonna we're gonna share a lot of great things with you. I am in two minds on what I'm gonna preach on tonight, tomorrow night, but we could go into the book of Acts. I'm not sure. But this morning, I want to share a word with you that's gonna sound like I'm your pastor, but I'm not really your pastor. Um, I was I was in a church um, not well about a year and a half, two years ago, and. Um, I had a minister along the same lines and this church is 11,000 people and they grew with 2,000 people in one year and they said we've got a problem how do you make how do you make 13,000 people a flock how do you make them a flock how do you how do you bring everybody to the to the point where they realize they're part of a local church we are here in a local church this is God's design the local church is God's dream and um Sometimes, well, in America, I've found people have two and three churches. That's that's unhealthy. Um, you must belong to a local. It's a god. It's a godly. It's a godly institution, almost. I want to say. So you're going to hear a few things about that this morning. Now, First Peter chapter two, and let me just start right away. It says in verse one and uh, verse five, "You also are living stones being built up in a spiritual house." I just want to start with that one phrase. I want to talk to you about. Living stones in a shepherd's house. Now, it's going to sound kind of deep and kind of confusing, but I promise you, it's going to get better and better as we go towards 1230 or 2 o'clock. And um, no, towards the end of this whole thing. It says you are living stones being built up. It doesn't say you are living stones, period. It says you are living stones being built up in a spiritual house. That's the complete thought. Now, if the Bible says, I am a living stone. I need to have another look at this. What on the earth is God talking about? Because church, uh, the local church is, is, is very, very important. Now, it says being built up into a spiritual house. A spiritual house speaks of a corporate entity. It's corporate. How many of you can hear the word corporate in the word house? Now, I, don't, I discovered in the first service that you don't have a Home Depot here. But you all know what a home depot is. When you go to the home depot, there's a lot of homes in the home depot. Am I right? Come on. There's a lot of homes in the home depot. But you cannot see it. But if you buy all the ingredients that you need in a home, windows, doors, flooring, and you take it home and you combine it, you have a home. But as long as all the pieces is on the shelves, the pieces themselves is incomplete. Come on. But the gutters and the flooring and the carpets and the doors and all the electrics needs to be combined to form a home. The Bible says you are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. Now there you've got it. Now, what do, you, what do you call the journey from the Home Depot to the point where you build a house? That's the process. Now listen to this. It says in verse 1, Therefore you lay aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. How many of you want, want to agree that we, we all have laid aside things in our lives to this point? Come on, admit that you were not as good as you thought you were. We all laid aside, amen. Now let me just warn you. I have humor, and my humor is not saved yet. So I hope you can work with my humor this morning, amen. Have you ever met people that has no humor? Wow. Have you ever tried humor on people that's not, that does not understand humor? It's a bad experience. Well, I hope this is not a bad experience, church, for me, because my humor is going to come out, and I hope you can deal with it. Amen? Please be gracious. So it says in verse 1, we all lay aside. Verse 2 says, as newborn babes, we desire the pure milk of the Word. Verse 3 says, indeed, you have all tasted that the Lord is gracious. Verse 4 says, we were coming to Him as a living stone. That's the process. So the process to become a living stone in a local church We need to lay aside newborn babes, tasted grace, coming to Him. Verse 5 and 6, you will read about the chief cornerstone. Who is the chief cornerstone? The chief cornerstone is Jesus. How many of you realize that what makes the living stone so significant is the fact that we all sense there's another stone in this house. It's the chief cornerstone. Jesus Is the cornerstone that keeps us all together. Now, I don't want to preach about homes built with stones and and, and go deeper than that. Now, in verse 25, it says, For you were like sheep going astray. How many of you realize that is a gift that any sheep has? Go astray. When you have a hundred sheep and you're going to leave them in the morning, you don't need to say to them, Now, please do me a favor, just go astray. You don't need to say that because sheep will go astray. That's just what they do. But now the Bible says we were like sheep. So what am I saying to all of you? We all have the gift to just go astray. If we don't watch ourselves, we will go astray. We all have that weakness in us to do it. Amen? Now it says, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd. Now the shepherd here is spelled with a capital S. He's talking about the Lord. How many of you realize that sheep is incomplete without a shepherd? But a shepherd is not a good shepherd unless he has sheep. So the Bible says, he's the shepherd, we are the sheep. Now, we are here in a local church. You have a shepherd. That's why we have pastors. They have a shepherd's anointing. But they depend on the big shepherd. And and, and we are the sheep. Now, that's that's actually a compliment. It says, but you have now returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Wow. So it's not about the meat and the wool of the sheep. It's about the souls of the sheep. How many of you realize we all have souls? It's it's about our eternal status. This meeting is all about eternity. Come on. I'll tell you what, this meeting is all about eternity. There's a lot of places you can go to. That meeting has no eternal uh, 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 value. This meeting is all about eternal value. Now it says... You were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of the souls. Question. What does verse 25 have to do with the first few verses? Now, the sheep in verse 25 is the living stones in verse 4, 5, and 6. And And the shepherd in verse 25 is the chief cornerstone in verse 5 and 6. Can you see the link there? Sometimes you read the chapter and you say, I don't understand this. I don't understand how those first few verses, what does that have to do with verse 25? It's almost like the chapter end with verse 25. There's a link between the two. I want to talk to you about living stones in a shepherd's house. Now, remember, the Bible does not say bricks in a shepherd's house. It says living stones. Why not bricks? Bricks is a man-made idea. When when, when Israel were put into slavery, they had to make bricks. Bricks is square. It all has the same size. It's boring. It comes out of a machine. It's man-made. God never compares us with man-made ideas. God compares us with stones. You will not find a single stone in the world that is exactly the same size. Not a single one in the world. That's why we are all human beings. I can immediately say these are human beings. I don't see any dogs and cats here. I just see human beings living stone. You see, animals were not made in the image of God. Genesis one twenty six says, and I'm already saying things that I didn't say in the first service. He says, let us make man in our image. So we were made in the image of God. Your animal and your dog does not look like God. Sorry to tell you. And your animal does not need a shepherd. He just needs a boss, but not a shepherd. But you have a soul. You need a shepherd. Because the animal has not eternal life. Sorry to tell you, you're not going to see a little poodle in heaven one day because he does not have a soul. Oh, my goodness. But you have a soul. That's why your dog just needs an owner. But you need a shepherd. Man, I'm saying things I haven't said in the first service. I don't have, really have notes, so I hope you can work with that. Don't be, feel offended. You're actually getting more in the second service than what you would have got in the first service. Amen? That's a good sign. So um, I want to talk to you about living stones in a shepherd's house. He said, well, why must I come to a local place like this? And, and you know what, church? It's very important that somebody like myself comes in and speak to churches about this. Because sometimes we wonder, well, I can just stay home, and I don't really need a pastor, and I don't don't need to belong to a shepherd's house. And no, sir, you need to. You need to be built in as a living stone. You need to be built into a spiritual house. Uh, It doesn't say a living stone. It says living stone being built up into a spiritual house. Now, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17 and and there's so much revelation here for several chapters that we can stay in this for days. It's really very, very powerful. But I want to talk to you a few things about David, the Old Testament David, who was a shepherd. And David was the man who killed a giant. Um, and David was a man who worked with stones. Now, when you look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, you will notice that um, it's, it's almost like David did a prophetic manifestation of, of what First Peter two uh, wrote about, it's almost like he repeats in the Old Testament already what the Bible is going to say in First Peter chapter two, not knowing what First Peter chapter two will say. But let me say a few things about David and and why, so that you will understand why David was the choice and why he was so different than all the other men. Uh, when Saul was the king of Israel, he was a long, tall, and handsome guy. And Saul is a type of head-and-shoulder ministry in the church. Now, we still have a lot of head-and-shoulder ministry in the church today. It's all about impressions. It's all about the camera needs to be on me. That was Saul. Saul was a man who even built himself a monument. Um, He was very full of himself. And God was tired of that. And God said, I want a man that cares for my people. I need a shepherd to replace the manager. Come on. I'm tired of people taking care of my people, but they're building themselves monuments. They don't care for the people. That's what what God. So God said to Samuel, okay, Samuel, you're the prophet. I want you to anoint me a king. And Samuel spoke to Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. And there were eight sons, and Jesse brought seven boys into the room. uh, And you can find that in in the previous two chapters. He brought seven boys into the room, and, and, and he said to Samuel, okay, Samuel, I want you to find a king in the room. And you will notice that Samuel could not prophesy a king. I'm so glad that Samuel was not a prophet prophet that you could influence by group pressure. Everybody was in the room, and everybody thought he's going to appoint a king. and, And Samuel said, sorry, Jesse, the king is not in the room. You've got seven good men in the room, but you don't have a king in the room. Seven speaks of perfection. You can have perfection in the room, but you don't have a king in the room. You can have a lot of conferences where there's a lot of good people in the room, but there's not a finger of God is not there. The anointing is not there. The prophetic finger of God is not there. The real voice of God is not there. I can preach on that. That's why I I personally, I'm very careful. I don't want to go to any kind of meeting anymore. I'm conferenced out. I bought all the T-shirts and all the CDs, and I'm still lacking. Amen? Buy my books. It's better than other people's. Just... I'm just just teasing you. I'm just teasing you. That's my humor. That's my humor. Okay, now, now, now. So, um, they brought David into the room. Now, the moment David came into the room, Samuel prophesied and says, that's the king. David was son number eight. Eight speaks of fat. Fat speaks of the anointing. The moment David came in, the finger of God became active. Now, in every octave, even in the music world, you have eight keys. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti. You cannot sing to save your life in this church. Now, listen to this. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti. That is seven. It sounds horrible to Get stuck on number seven, it irritates you. Why? Because it's not perfect. It's uh, come on. When David came in, he was son number eight. He completes the music. If I take one key out of an octave, I destroy the music world. Have you ever gone? Uh, it happened to me the other day. I was at a, a, a red light, stop at the red light. There's a car, they stop next to me, and the car sounds like they have more sound equipment in the car than engines ever stop next to a car that has more sound equipment in the car than an engine? And it sounds like that. One note. Go from one to it. And I thought, my, what kind of music is that? They only use two notes. Have you heard that kind of music lately? There's a lot of that. Why don't we use all the eight keys, and then when you get to key number eight, you go to another octave. David came in. Prophet said, that's the king. The other reason why God chose David is David smelled like sheep. Do you know that the other seven boys, they were not shepherds? And God spoke to me and God said to me, there's a lot of things that we do in the church that does not not have the smell of sheep on it. If, If it does not smell like sheep, it doesn't care for the people. Because sheep speaks of people. And David cared for the sheep, and God decided, I want a shepherd to lead the nation and not a manager. So now David is appointed as king, and now you know the story how David came to the war zone. Uh, and listen here, you guys. You need to show some excitement, okay? I came into America in 97. They had me on television. Can you believe it? I was on television, and they had an interview with me, and every time I said something good, man, they cheered. They clapped hands. They celebrated. They whistled. And after about three minutes, I thought to myself, I know the guy that's interviewing me, but I, want, I would like to see where's this crowd that just shout. I mean, they cheered. And then I found out there's no crowd, but he had a tape. And when I say something good, he pressed the button. And then the, the crowd comes alive because I heard the crowd is the same all the time. So I want to warn you if you're not going to get a react, I'm going to bring my CD tonight. I've got 10,000 people on my CD, and I'm going to press that button. And every time I think I say something good, I'm going to bring my crowd into the room. Amen? So I don't want to replace you with a CD, okay? (laughs) Okay, I'm just teasing you. So now, David is anointed as king. He's ultimately going to kill the giant. His 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 dad said to him, I want you to take bread and cheese to your brothers in the war zone. So here you have David, he's the king, but he carries bread and cheese. So there comes a time that even if you're the anointed and the appointed, you must still be willing to carry bread and cheese. Come on. It doesn't mean if you're going to be the person that's going to kill the giant in the future, that you cannot carry bread and cheese now. If God gives you a great word of how mighty you're going to be used by God, don't get puffed up, stay humble. Carry bread and cheese. Come on, don't, sh- don't play me your, pro- your prophetic word every day. Show me your bread and cheese. Because your bread and cheese will tell me that you are willing to be nothing, although you, you're the one that's going to kill the, the giant in the future. So David showed up with the bread and cheese, and now he's in the war zone. And sometimes God will use the bread and cheese to get you where God wants you to be. And uh, so he's in the war zone, and he's talking to Eliab. Eliab is the older brother. He was in the room when David was anointed. But the older brother said to David, he says, what have you done with those sheep? Now watch how Eliab talks down on the sheep. Can you see, it's almost like he has this pride in his words when he talked down on the sheep. What have you done with those sheep? Why, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. I am Eliab. I'm the older brother. I am in control. I was supposed to be anointed. I know that you were anointed, but I'm telling you, you are just good for sheep. Can you hear, how, can you hear that language? Oh, be careful. If you're older in the church and you are in the church forever, that you don't get an Eliab spirit on you. So then God anoints the younger generation and God is using them. Then you say, well, God should have anointed me and you should listen to me. No, sir, you had your chance. I'm 64 and it's about time that I admit that God's going to use this man Much more than what he's going to use me. I need to be here for a whole week to teach about these things. It'll blow your mind, the revelation that'll come out. But how many of you say this morning, Lord, deliver me from an Eliab spirit, and let me notice that God is bringing in the younger generation. Come on. Okay. Those ladies are really strong behind you, Pastor. They really cheer you a lot. Those people there. Amen. (laughs) So, now... I've got some time. So now, um, David spoke to Eliab, and then he spoke to Saul, and you know the story how Saul said to him, hey, you need to put on this garment, and you need to put a helmet around your head, a helmet, oh man, cover your mind, cover your thinking, your helmet, oh, there's a lot of helmet ministries in the church today. It's all about how they can think of a pre-plan and fabricate a plan up here, and then when they install it in the church, it's all bricks. It's just brick, man-made ideas, oh my goodness. There's a lot of man-made ideas that comes out of the mind, the helmet, of the church that was never meant by God. Okay, I will not go deeper there either, because you only have 29 minutes left, and then I need to get you out of here, because you have a hamburger party just after the service, and I'm aware of that. Amen? Don't answer me back. I'm the speaker here, okay? I'm teasing you, man. I'm teasing you, but I am the speaker. I always do this. So, Anything you move, I'm going to say something about it. So rather just say amen or hallelujah, or I will bring you into my whole sermon as, a, as an example. Amen? Are you enjoying this? Everybody say, I'm a living stone to kill a giant. David is now saying to, Samuel, uh, to, to, to Saul, sorry, Saul, I've tried on your garment. I tried to do my 1940 thing. I try to be like you in 1950. I try to do the 1960 thing. I've tried to do the 1970 thing. I've tried to do the 80s and the 90s, but it doesn't work for me. I have a sling. I like stones. I smell like sheep. But hey, Saul, I have killed the lion and the bear. Come on. I've killed the lion and the bear. So Saul, I think I've got something to teach you here. And I did not kill the lion and the bear with all those garments, all that armor that you want to put on me. I killed it without that. Amen? So here we have David, and now David is going to kill the giant. Uh, Finally, he got rid of Saul, and he got rid of Eliab. It's amazing how long it sometimes takes us to push all of these uh, hurdles out of the way that are hidden in brothers and sisters before we can get to the work of the Lord. Help us, Lord, that we will not be salts and elips that hinder the Davids that come in. And they cannot do the work of the Lord because we want to put our ideas on them. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I hope I'm not dancing on holy toes. But that's what I normally do well. Oh, my goodness. That's one of my ministry traits. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Verse 40. Chapter 17, verse 40, David, he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in a shepherd's bag in the pouch which he had, and in his sling that was in his hand, and he drew near to the philistine. Oh, there's a lot of revelation there. The first thing David did is, he went to the brook. It doesn't say he found stones outside the brook, he found stones inside the brook. How many of you realize there's human beings in the church and there's human beings that doesn't go to church? Now, the people that doesn't go to church, they are also made in the image of God, but they're not in a brook. They're not in a local church. The brook is a type of the local church. David decided to kill a giant, I need a stone that are in a brook. I cannot kill the giant that was covered in bronze bronze speak of a judgmental spirit. I cannot kill the giant with a stone that are outside the brook. Come on, there's a lot of of great people in the world, but they are not shaped and formed in the brook. The local church, the washing of the word is important because it's the flow of the river that, that, that shape and form the stones in the brook. The Bible says David picked up five smooth stones. You will never find a smooth stone outside a brook. You will find stones, but not smooth. What is the difference between you and the world? The world is made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. But the difference is you are here on a Sunday morning to be shaped and formed by the word of the Lord so that God can make you smooth. Amen? And, 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 and that's so powerful that David found five smooth stones in the brook. Stay in the brook. Stay in the local church. Don't go out of line, but be in the brook. Amazing. Now, we can talk about the stones and the conversation between the stones and every stone. There was a lot of stones in the river, but not one of them looked the same. Not one of them had the same size. But they were all shaped and formed in the brook. Now, what made, what shaped and formed them? When the water of the Word comes, sometimes those stones move, especially when there's a lot of rain that fall. And even in the local church, you will find people that will irritate you, frustrate you. But you know what? It's that brother that irritates you that God used mightily to shape you. The moment you get irritated by somebody, it's a sign that you are not shaped well yet. Uh, I'm just talking about other churches now. I'm I'm not talking about this church. I I know this is an incredible church. That's why I can preach this word here. But I cannot preach this word in other churches because they will be offended. But I'm preaching this word here because finally I need to say this so that it can be on a recording so that we can send it to the other churches because I'm not going to preach it in their face and then they're going to be offended. That's why I'm preaching in here in a perfect church where nobody's offended and nobody is frustrated and nobody's irritated by anybody because you are the perfect brook. (laughs) I've got you. And you even laugh about it. And you even like it. You know, pastors, they come to me and they say, you say things to my people, if I say it, they'll fire me. You say it, they love you. Then I say to the pastor, well, then don't say it. Bring me in. I'll say it. That's not what he did, okay? Come on, you Eliops. Don't call him in afterwards and say, oh, why did you bring this guy here? Because he offended me. Oh, really? You are the guy that needs to be shaped and formed. It all came out of verse 40. Everything I've said came out of verse 40. He took five smooth stones from the brook. Amen. One stone said to the other stone, oh man, I've got the latest news. Other stone said to them, what news? Other stone said, you will not believe me. I just got the news. What news? David, David. Which David? Oh, the one that killed the lion in the bear? Oh, the other stone said, you will not believe me. I believe he's coming to our brook, and he's going to pick up five stones to kill the giant. I can hear a small little stone say, man, I'm stuck in this church now for 49 years, nine months, and two days, and I believe there's almost nothing left of me, and I believe that he's going to pick me up, because I believe my time has come that I'm going to kill a giant. Why are you in a local church? Because God wants to shape and form you for a pickup day when God will use you, mildly, to kill somebody. Not real sin. Please. I need to say it, that it's on the CD. We're talking about the giant, the enemy. Sickness, diseases, curses. You remember? what? Okay, now. So, you pick up five stones, So what does he do? You put them in a shepherd's bag. Everybody say shepherd's bag. How many of you realize, Eliab never had a shepherd's back. Saul never had a shepherd's back. Because they were not shepherds. And, and I look forward, if I ever have a church, and I will not have a church, I'm too old now. But if I, if I had a church, my church's name would have been the shepherd's back church. Yeah, I know you're not excited because you don't think much of it, but I think it's a great idea. It's right there. I've never seen a church without, oh, shepherd's back. I'm talking about the great shepherd of heaven and earth. I mean, come on. When the great shepherd comes and picks me up, you need to remove this. I'm going to fall over this thing here. It's now the second time, and I need to. This is a small little place for a big South African. I can hardly stretch my legs here. Amen. Build a new church. I believe you have property. Build a new church. Amen. Make it wider. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just giving you the board some ideas. And don't do green again. It's green. (laughs) Lighten things up. I saw a lot of green when I came in yesterday. And there's a lot of crawfish that hides in the green here in Louisiana. And I just said to my wife, let's just move on quickly. Hallelujah. I don't want no crawfish on me, amen. I'm just teasing you, but I don't eat it. Okay, it's not in here. Crawfish is not in here. You will never find crawfish in the Bible. It's not. It's nowhere. So don't eat it. So five stones from the brook, and they put them, put them in a the shepherd's bag. And now watch this. Now, 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 God, now, David, take the stones, put them in the bag, and now he's on his way to Goliath. He's going to kill the giant. You see, church, there's a lot of people that have committee meetings about the giant, but they never kill the giant. Amazing. God used a shepherd to kill the giant. He didn't use a prophet, apostle, evangelist, he used a shepherd. And sometimes we put the emphasis on we need to get a prophet, we need to get an evangelist, and we need to get a so and so. No, God says, do it from the local brook, do it from the local church, and let the shepherd's anointing release stones from the local church that'll take out the local giant. The giant over America is not your responsibility. Your first responsibility is Eunice. Your first responsibility is the strongman in Eunice. And then when God combines certain churches, then we shift our responsibility to the regional strongman. And then the national strongman. And there's a lot of giants in America today. There's a lot of giants covered with bronze, which speaks of a judgmental spirit. I read a, a, a comment the other day a man filled with a man covered in bronze. This is a, a commentary. I don't know where I've read it, but it says a man co- covered in bronze it's, uh, with a judgmental spirit is like a man that has a gun in his hand and he will just go rampant. And when I read it, I said to myself, that's the problem in America. We have people that are judgmental and think they can just take everything in their hand and just destroy people. In the meantime, that is a judgmental spirit. I've read it. And Goliath was covered in bronze. He had a judgmental spirit. A judgmental spirit will kill you. But the shepherd, the local church that David decided, if I can kill a lion and a bear, I'm going to kill you. And he stood in front of Goliath, and I, wanna, I just want to show you a few things here, and, and then it's it. So the first thing is, he came to Goliath, and then uh, Goliath said in verse 43, he said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And Philistine cursed David by his God. So now the first thing he says, am I, a, am I a dog? Am I a dog? I mean, hey, come on, you little man. Do, do I look like a dog? You see, church." Goliath now has a self-image problem. Because he says, you come to me with sticks. The first thing that caught Goliath off guard is David did not approach him like everybody else. David approached him completely different. David did not dress up to make an impression. David decided, I'm going to come in simplicity, but I'm going to catch him off guard with a living stone. My name is David. I'm a shepherd. I work with stones. I don't work with bricks, man made ideas. I'm gonna kill him with a God idea, not a man made idea. I'm gonna kill him with a God idea, not a man made program. Come on. There's a lot of preaching material right there, a lot of revelation knowledge. And um, so he said, am I a dog that you come to me with? And the Philistine said to David, he says, today I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air. So now he's trying to be prophetic. He said to him, I'm going to kill you today, and I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air. That was just blowing hot air, because that's not going to happen. Never allow the hot air of Satan to threaten you. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear. Because you you will notice that Goliath identified the weapons of David. Now David identified the weapons of Goliath. And he he said to Goliath, he says, you come to me, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. But then now watch what David says. David says, wait, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. So now David bring in the name of the Lord. So what David is actually saying is, sir, you probably noticed my little bag. It's called the shepherd's bag. And sir, I heard you said something about my sticks. But sir, be careful, I also have a sling. And sir, although my sling does not impress you, what I'm going to do is, I've got five sizes of stones in my bag. They all came out of a local brook. They all came out of a local church. They are not significant. They are shaped and formed, and some of them are real small. But one of them has the exact size of the opening that sits in front of your head. And what you don't know, sir, the size of your opening in front of your head is already in my bag. And when I put that stone in my sling and I put the name of the Lord behind the living stone, I'm going to kill you. Now, do you remember, in 1 Peter 2, we spoke about the living stones and the chief cornerstone. So what David is actually saying is, I'm going to kill you with a living stone that come out of a brook, but the reason I say to you I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts is because that is the chief cornerstone in First Peter chapter 2. So before I release the living stone, I must prophesy that the chief cornerstone behind the living stone will actually be the stone that will bring you down. What makes all of us so significant? is because of the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, in our hearts that we become a, a force that the devil needs to be reckoned with. Everybody say, brook, brook. Bag. bag, sling, swing, swing. swing. Forehead. forehead. You say, well, what is that? That's what you call the process. Everybody say, lay aside. Newborn babes. Taste of the grace coming to him. That's first Peter chapter 2. That's the process. Everybody say, brook, bag, sling, swing, forehead. I remember the days when I grew up, and I grew up in Pentecost. Naomi and I, we met one another. We are from two neighboring churches. And I remember I was probably 17, 18 years old, and I was in a camp, and the Lord called me. I, 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 I know exactly the spot where God called me. And, uh, and then many, many years followed, and I was in a local church, and the one pastor said to me those days when I was 18, 19, I said to him, I am called. The Lord has called me. And you know what he said to me? He said to me, oh, Andre, the Lord called me, and I built about 10 churches before I went into the ministry, and he gave me a whole description of how long it took him before he stepped into the ministry. And I was 18 years old, and I said to him, Pastor, Jesus is coming back. And I didn't say this to him, and I thought to myself, man, he took a long time. I'm not going to take that long. I'm 19 years old, Are we're going to do something for God. And you know what? It took me 10 years later I went into the ministry. And then when I went into the ministry, I said to myself, Oh, I remember what he told me. My goodness, that old man was not wrong. He was right. And then the prophets came and the prophets said, Oh, you're going to travel the world and your name will get known in America and you're going to go to America and you're going to speak English. That was in 1981. Now it is 2017. And now I'm flying 120 flights a year. I'm on my way to Hong Kong next month, and then Sweden, and then South Africa. And, And there's so many meetings this year, I don't, I cannot even remember. What am I saying to you? When God release, take you out of the local brook and put you into that sling, and when He swing you, you're gonna go to the forehead, and you will never see the brook again. And here I am today. My greatest desire is to belong to a church where we can have hamburgers for free every Sunday morning like you guys have it. And you're not appreciative of all your hamburgers and your crawfish. Enjoy it. Because when the shepherd of heaven comes and picks you up out of the brook and like your size and puts you in a bag and puts you in a sling and then swung you, you will say, My God, I wish I can go back. Do you nurse in the middle of nowhere and just eat hamburgers with uh, with crawfish? I heard somebody say, With crawfish? No. No, no, no. Don't mess up the hamburger. Don't damage the hamburger with crawfish. It looks like a demon, that thing. It smells like a demon. I came here in 1997. I came from Africa. I'm from Africa. Everybody wants to feed me crawfish. I don't know what it looked like. Went to a, a, a gentleman and his two daughters into a restaurant on wedding. I'm waiting. Next moment, here come, they come through the door with a pile of these demons on a plate. Put it in front of us. And then it started, and they started like. And when I heard that sound, I said, Jesus, is this America? I said, Lord, this is worse than Africa. I tell you what, the smell was unbearable, man. Wow, that stuff will collect flies like note. I mean, oh, I can tell you about a crawfish boil. I've been to a crawfish boil. Can I tell you? I don't know how it fits in here. I need to tell you. We've got some time. I went to a crawfish boil. They've got all these crawfishes in a big pot, cook it, black, black. It's all the sin that came out of them. Black, threw it in another pot. I felt so sorry for them. One crawfish fell out. He crawled over the cement towards the lawn part, and I was standing there. I, I caught myself. I'm interceding for the crawfish. Father, help him. Let him just get away. Oh Jesus, let him just get away. This is hell on earth, and he got away. That day I discovered I've got a powerful prayer. (laughs) They gave me corn and potatoes. Potatoes looked like pumpkins. Big. I could not taste the potatoes. Could not taste it. It was so hot, I had to hold the, the ice on my mouth because I said, Lord, they make it. So hot, you cannot taste the food. I can tell you many stories. So if God picks me up out of this brook in Louisiana. I say, Lord, take me, Jesus. Take me, Jesus. Put me in your back. I'll sling, fly. Let me get away. That's from Louisiana, but I'm not talking about Louisiana. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the local church. We are all living stones. And I want to say to all of you, never remove yourself from a brook. Have you ever seen a stone that walk out of a brook and then he says, I don't want to be in this brook anymore. I'm going to go to another brook. Have you ever seen a stone do that? Stones don't have legs. Many people go to another church, another church, another church. Stay where God has put you and ordained you to be. And if you don't like the word, say, Lord, shaping for me because when the great shepherd of heaven the David from heaven comes and pick me up and he releases me through the process I will know God has ordained me to kill a giant it's not every stone that goes to a sling you know I I cannot emphasize this enough Don't try to become become something you're not. You're better off in the brook shed by God than being stuck in a sling and you don't fit the opening of the head. Bible says the Nazarites, those days the Nazarenes, when they had a sling and a stone, they could split a hair. That's how good they were. That speaks of the anointing. And I want to say to all of you, you're in a great church. You have a great pastor. I spoke to him over the phone. I didn't know I prophesied to him that many years back. I met his brother. You you have people that come out of a good family, solid. You've got the best of the best. God did not give you an Eliab. God gave you a David. I can hear how he talks over the phone with me. I listen to his comments. And when I listen to his comments and how he talks about the people in the church, I know he smells like sheep. You can quickly pick up when somebody cares for what he does or when somebody just say, no, I'm just moving through here. I'm going to use these people as a stepping stone to get to something better. That's Saul. If you say this morning, Lord, shape him for me. Stand on your feet just for a moment. Close your eyes. Pray this prayer. Say, I am a living stone in a shepherd's house. Say, I submit myself, including my flesh, to be shaped and formed by the water of his word. And at the right time, my shepherd will use me where he sees fit. Say, I belong to a church, a brook, from which God will pick the stones so that we can bring down the giants in our city. Heavenly Father, I pray for this church this morning. I pray for pastor. I pray for the praise team. I pray for the leadership, the elders. I pray for everybody that that is here. I pray for young and old. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will all help us to submit ourselves and say, Lord, do with us what you want to do. Use us for your glory. Father, I pray that we will not stay on the shelf where we don't belong, but we we will come off the shelves and that we will be in the process and that we will be processed and that we will be built up. And together, together, we will be the picture that every unbeliever, unbeliever, unbelieving person should see in Eunice. And when they see this church, they will say, that's a church that's made up out of so many beautiful stones, beautiful people. Let's go there. Let's submit there. And let God shape and form us. And together, we will bring down the strong man in Eunice. And God will build an even greater church for his glory. And everybody say amen. In Jesus'
0: name.